0: Abide with me, abide with me. Don't let me fall and don't let go. Walk with me and never leave.
1: Ever close, God. I this is the Influencers Network me. podcast. I'm Brian Craig, your host. I'm the Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries in Bentonville, Arkansas. I'm actually uh, remote a little bit. I met uh, my brother in Christ halfway. I'm over at John Brown University, one of our favorite places to go, and it's halfway between where I live and uh, Tulsa. And I'm pleased to have our Regional Director from Tulsa. Frank Khalil. Welcome Frank.
0: Hey, thanks for having me Brian.
1: Yeah and so I've been I've been really wanting to uh, to interview Frank because uh he's one of my homeboys from Tulsa as you must you guys know I'm from Tulsa originally but uh so really today uh I wanted you guys to get to know Frank and get to know his story of uh how he he came about becoming regional director just so you know um we kind of have a decentralized model. We have the global office uh, with me and Rocky, and uh, there's a lady named Joy Prem who helps us with all our shipping and all the bookkeeping there. But uh, the real ministry is out in the field with our regional directors, uh, guys like Frank, and uh, they each have their own boards and they each uh, do their ministry in their different regions. So we got seven of those regions currently, and we expect that to grow in, in coming years. So Frank's our guy in Tulsa overseeing all the ministry going on there. and And, and I see all the orders that come in every day. And I can tell you it's exploding in Tulsa. There's orders like five or six orders every day out of Tulsa. So there's lots of good stuff happening in Tulsa. So, so Frank, so you, uh, let's tell your story. And uh, you came in, in uh, year two, we did in 2006, I led the first journey group in Tulsa and uh, two of the guys, well, that, that group became six groups. And in year two, Two of the guys who went off and started a group were Jim Holder and Jim Rogers. Correct. And Jim Holder invited this young, fiery police officer that he knew through Young Life named Frank Khalil. So tell us about how you came into the journey and
0: all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, 2000, this is uh, late uh, 2006, the first of 2007, before we started our journey group. Uh, Jim Holder was a dear, dear friend through Young Life. I saw as a spiritual mentor in my life. Um, we were actually on a uh, committee together for Young Life. Um, and Julie, my wife, um, worked for Young Life. So um, Jim just called me up one day and said, hey, come by the office. Uh, I need to talk to you. Um, and at the time, I was actually just early on my career, um, had just started doing some undercover work. Um, So I went by his office uh, one late afternoon and walked in and uh, Jim, being who he is, just gave me a big old hug and started sharing with me about this journey he'd just been on. Um, And um, he handed me a book and it was The Journey to the Inner Chamber. And my first um, impression was I don't read books. I don't have time for books. Uh, I'm too busy chasing bad guys, um, you know, doing what. Young 20-year-old guys do with a young family. I don't have time for books, but uh, Jim simply said, hey, this has really impacted my life in a big way. And because, really, uh, I had such a respect for Jim and his walk uh, with the Lord that I thought, you know, if it's important to him, well, I will at least look at it. Well, I learned later that I probably did the same thing most guys do. Um, I took that book and I put it on the shelf <laughs> and I let it sit there for about a good two, three months. Um and then a few months later, one day, I just picked it up. And I was actually on a trip over to Dallas. And on the short flight over, I start reading Journey to the Inner Chamber. Um, and I remember very vividly, Brian, um, you know, as I start reading about the refugee, um, I could clearly see myself. Um, I could see that that's all of us at one point in our faith walk. Right. I could see myself as that refugee who became a learner, um, who, you know, became a believer after that. But what really intrigued me was once you cross that bridge, then what? Um, So a big part of my story here is the fact that at that time, um, I was an elder and a deacon in a traditional Southern Baptist church at age, you know, 25, 26 Um, I checked all the boxes. Um, You know, if the pastor, the church needed anything, I was the first one to show up. Um, I dragged my family. Um, It wasn't a choice for Julie. And at the time um, we had Grace, Um, you know, she followed. That doesn't mean she was being spiritual led. She was just being led. Um, So I knew there was something missing as I read part two um, of that story. Um, I could totally relate to uh, the outer courtyards, uh, stuffing my face with all the non-nutritional things. Um, and I knew, I just knew that I knew there was more to um, my walk with Christ. So from that point, um, you know, I couldn't put that little book down. I mean, literally, I landed in Dallas and sat down at the airport because I had some time before catching a shuttle, and and I couldn't stop turning those pages And I know for guys who are listening today, if you haven't picked up a book and read it, I mean, it's designed for guys like all of us who don't like to read. You know, it's a page and a half, large font, each chapter, and there's 20 of them. So there's really no excuse for you not to read it. (laughs) So um, long story short with that, um, I came back um, soon right after that and told Jim, I'm in. Um, But little did I know the cost, right, of what it would take for me to be all in to go through one of these journey groups. Not the financial cost. Not the financial cost. (laughs) Absolutely not the financial cost. So, you know, um, he said we were going to meet on Tuesdays at lunchtime downtown, you know, from 11 to 1, which was, I mean, really for me, it was impossible. Um, Working undercover narcotics at the time, you lived by the pager. These are back in the pager days. And when that thing went off, you had to go. Um, Whether it's 2 a.m., 5 a.m., Christmas, Thanksgiving. It didn't matter. You had to go. So it was really difficult for me to commit to anything. But um, I will never forget, after reading that little book, going home and getting on my knees, and I said a prayer. Um, And the prayer is still vivid to me today. And it was, Lord, whatever it takes, teach me total self-abandonment and absolute trust. Now, I'm going to be honest to say that There are plenty of times in the last 12, 13 years that uh, I wasn't sure what I was asking for. And there were times I wanted to take that away because I had no clue, Um, you know, the trials and tribulations that would come upon me just really because of making the faith commitment to really be the man God created me to be. So, you know, I went back to my home office and told my uh, commander, uh, you know, it was a promotion where I worked. Um, and basically said, look, these Tuesdays for the next nine months, I'm out of pocket. My pager's off. My phone's off. I need from 11 to 1. And, of course, if you can imagine, uh, in the police world, it's a lot like in the military. And uh, my commander was not happy. As a matter of fact, he said some very vulgar words to me about how I could not do that and work where I worked. But, you know, I I had a decision to make. And it was really a a turning point for me in my faith walk. You know, do I worry about what happens to my job, uh, the provision for my family, or do I just follow through and do what God's asking me to do? And I just knew that I knew in my heart of hearts that I needed to do this.
1: So you you had not even started the journey. That's correct. And you're already being tested on personal abandonment and
0: absolute trust. Absolutely. Just to join the group. Just to join the group. Wow. Yep. So, you know, I filled out vacation slips for those two hours for the next nine months, for those two Tuesdays a month. And I handed it to my commander, and he basically said, Clear your desk. You know, uh, in the police force, when you're in a specialty unit, anytime they can always kick you back out to the field where you started. In other words, a demotion, if you will. And he says, Just clear out your desk, going back to the field. So I went home and shared with Julie what had happened. And um, she said, well, if the Lord told you to do this, then clear out your desk. So the next day I came in and I started clearing out my desk. And, of course, all the guys I worked with are going, what in the world is going on? And I'll never forget my commander saying, hey, Frank, get in here. He called me back in his office and he slammed the door and he asked me to sit down. And he looked at me and he knew I was a believer. You know, he knew that about me. And he literally took my vacation slips and ripped them and threw them at me and said, you can have your Tuesdays because I know how important this is This is to you. So right then and there, God was already working mm. because of my faithfulness to say, yes, Lord, I'm going to do this. Mm. So, you know, that was the beginning um, of my journey, really. And, you know, I'll put it this way. Um, the next nine months, you know, I sat in the room with ten guys that I didn't know. I knew Jim, obviously, who invited me, and I knew Ken, who I invited to come with me. Um, and it literally blew my mind to see how deep we went without even knowing each other. And what I mean by deep is, you know, we laid all our junk on the table. Hmm. Um, and the depth of looking at scriptures, you know, from the enlightened segment of that God knows everything about us, you know, that he cares, he's willing, he's able. Um, Wow. I mean, I was just, uh, you know, I've heard the word discipleship for so long in the church. I mean, I was, for crying out loud, I was a deacon in the church. Mm. But I knew right then and there um, how much the word discipleship had been watered down. I'd never been discipled. Mm. I had no clue what true discipleship looked like. According to Jesus' teaching, as he did with his men, had no idea. And I began to taste that for the first time Hmm. and and going through the process. So you get into the second segment of Enable, and it's like, wait a minute. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Whoa, 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 stop. (laughs) That's scary stuff. Um, But it's real, right? The Lord says it. I mean, in Scripture, it's there. It's clear. I mean, before Jesus left, he says, I'm going to leave you, someone that's going to guide you and instruct you He's your counselor.
1: Was that the first time you'd really been exposed to the teaching on the Holy Spirit?
0: Absolutely. Really? Oh. I mean, I knew about the Holy Spirit because of the Trinity, mm-hmm. but I didn't understand who the Holy Spirit was. I had no idea. And again, um, to think that I was an, an elder and a deacon in a church and had no clue, um, that really moved me to the core um, and I don't say this in a negative way towards the church, obviously, but that's our culture that we live in. Um, I was hungry. I was a young man who was literally living, as we talk, we've we talked about before, in quiet desperation. I wanted more. Mm. And it took, you know, one man who felt uh, by the Holy Spirit to reach out to me and say, here, let's do this. Mm. You know, that's where it all started. So, um, And then, you know, you move on through that process of... Not only who the Holy Spirit is, but spiritual gifts. Mm-hmm. Boy, did I have that wrong. And we all know in leading journey groups how guys have no clue. I mean, really, you know, I'm leading journey group number 16 and 17 this year. And 80, 90% of guys in the group, when we get to that part, I mean, they are really confused by what their talents are, thinking that that's their spiritual gifting. Mm. And there's a critical difference. I mean, they do work together. We -hmm. know that. Mm -hmm. But once again, scripture is very clear that God has uniquely given you and I unique spiritual gifts for His glory to build the body of Christ. Mm. And it's amazing, you know, that when you discover what your gifting is and you take it off the shelf and you begin to use it, that burnout in your faith walk goes away. Mm. And now you're living within the plan that, and the purpose that God has created for you and me. Mm. And it changes everything. It really does. I mean, it changes the course of your life, your family, your marriage. It changes everything. It's kind of like you have a purpose. You have a purpose
1: in the kingdom. You know, it's not just the pastor who has a purpose. You have a purpose. Absolutely. You know? and, and it really empowers guys. You know, I, I see the same thing.
0: Well, it's yeah. we're all part of the body, right? Mm-hmm. You may just be the pinky, but the pinky is just as important as all the other fingers in the hand. Yeah, yeah. You can't just cut it off and go, Oh, well it's gone. Mm-hmm. It, there's a place for it. Mm-hmm. And the, the body of Christ needs all parts in order to build the kingdom. And that's what we're seeing happening in the lives of men who are taking this faith walk serious.
1: I want to jump in here real quick. Cause I remember hearing about you before I met you, I think, or I don't know if I'd met you or not, but, uh, you, uh, you were already recruiting people for your next journey group. You were only like halfway through, I think, and you were recruiting your neighbors, weren't you? I mean, yep. Yep. Tell, talk about that real quick.
0: Well, you know, halfway through this, it was so impactful in my life that, I mean, it was I've been praying for discipleship, if you will. And it was so radically changing me at the heart. You know, I had the head knowledge. And we talk about this, too, right? There's so many of us walking around with all the head knowledge. But I say this all the time. I mean, head knowledge without the heart transformation, it's just theory. Mm -hmm. It's got to go 12 inches to the heart because, once again, God's Word and Jesus talks much about the heart. It's the wellspring of life. Transformation has to happen at the heart level. And that's what the journey helps man do, is take that knowledge to the heart. I had the knowledge, Mm -hmm. but no heart. Yeah. So, um, yeah, halfway through the journey, you know, um, I wanted to test out what the Scripture tells us to do. You know, you ought to love your neighbor as yourself. So I literally went and knocked on my neighbor's doors and said, hey, I'm going through this journey thing. And and I knew they were Christians. I knew at least a couple of them were. And they gladly took a book from me. And I just said, hey, I want you to read this. And here in a few months when I wrap up, hey, we're going to meet in my living room and just talk about this little book. Mm -hmm. And, you know... I had all four, both neighbors on both sides of me, and both neighbors across the street from me, and four other guys with, from my church show up. And every other week, we met in my living room and we covered two chapters at a time. And you were still in your other journey. And I was still in my journey group. Okay. Okay. And by the time I commenced in my journey group, we had finished the journey to the inner chamber, two chapters at a time. And I just created some questions. Mm-hmm. All eight of those guys couldn't wait to start the journey. Mm. Thus, that was my first journey that I led, mm. was with my four neighbors and four guys from church. Cool. So, God was already working.
1: Mm. Well, and uh, there's so many things we can talk about, but it, th- when I think of you, Frank, I think of, uh, uh, well, let's say this a couple years later, you got the joy of uh, bringing this to Brazil. Because yes. tell a little bit about your background and your upbringing real quick and then have the joy of bringing the journey to your home people.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, you know, I was born in Brazil and moved to the States at a young, very young age and then made it to Tulsa by the age of 14 to live with my brother. Um, and that's another story for another day. But, um, you know, there was a, a a missionary that had been in Brazil for a long time. And if I understand correctly, somebody in his family Lived or a friend lived in Arkansas who had been impacted by the journey. So they were having this conversation with Sam. And Sam, who had been a missionary in Brazil for 30 some odd years, is, you know, I mean, he flew here to learn more about this discipleship tool for men because he knew men in Brazil are no different than men in America or men anywhere else. You know, we just kind of go for the ride, you know, we show up, we check the box, and we go home. So he wanted something. and Of course, as Rocky was having a conversation with Sam, we're thinking, how do we translate this? How do we do this? And, you know, we were on the cabinet at that time, which simply was just a few of us from Dawson, Arkansas, coming together just to pray for this ministry. And uh, no coincidence, you know, I'm a fluent speaker in Portuguese. So I got involved with that. And next thing you know, Rocky and I are taking a trip in 2010. As a matter of fact, we... We landed in Brazil. I'll never forget this. We landed in Brazil um, on November 11th on my birthday in 2010 uh, to go do a four-day conference with, you know, 40 pastors and 60 business leaders. And I was scared to death because, you know, well, they still understand my Portuguese. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing to watch how contagious my Portuguese still was in sharing the passion of what this process had done in my life with those men. Mm. So there was no language barrier. There really wasn't any language barrier mm-hmm. because God was working through that. And of course, we see it now. It's it's doing that all across this country and, and across the borders. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, we're just trusting God with it.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. Absolutely. When Rocky did the first group, he never dreamed it would right. ever be translated into Arabic, Portuguese, right. Spanish. I mean, never right. dreamed
0: of any of that. And, you know, and last summer I went on a mission trip to Costa Rica, and the same thing happened there. You know, I got to share, and there's a journey group that's about to wrap up, actually, and— San Jose, Costa Rica. Um, and, you know, um, we know that God is moving through this and we just continue to trust him with it. And it's all about abandonment and trust. And that's, I think, what we all love about what God is doing through influencers. And that is that it's God's ministry, mm-hmm. right? It's not a man's ministry or it's not about a name. It is about God orchestrates everything we do in the beautiful piece One of the greatest things about it is everything we do starts with prayer, right? We trust Him with it. We say, Lord, have your way.
1: Um, Yeah, and you and I have been you know, working side by side, just volunteering for the ministry before we ever came on staff, you know, Mm -hmm. so we've gotten to see a lot of the history and the story. Absolutely. um, Another of my favorite stories, Frank, is that you always had a dream, and you told me about this, that you you had a dream to take a journey group of just police officers, your your brothers from the police force through the journey. So talk about that real quick.
0: So um, for five years, I hand the journey to the inner chambers to fellow policemen. And for five years, I asked guys to get in the room and go deep with me and do this. And I could not get guys to commit. And I remember uh, being very frustrated in one of my quiet times, as we learned to do through this process, and journaling about it. I remember very vividly the Holy Spirit telling me, um, my time, not your time, because this is not about you. Um, and, you know, one of the darkest times in my career— um, Ten guys, ten fellow policemen, came together and says, "We'll do this with you." And I got to walk through the journey um, with ten fellow policemen. And the amazing thing about that group was, I had the privilege to lead two of those men to Christ and to baptize eight of them in one of our overnight retreats. Um, it was literally a revival. The kind of revival that you know we hope for in the body of Christ today that we haven't seen in so long. I mean, it was it was truly a revival. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, it goes to tell you that if we are faithful and obedient to abandon ourselves and trust the Lord in His perfect timing, He will do what He says He will do. Mm-hmm. He will bear the fruit through us. It's not us bearing the fruit. It's it's our obedience in that abiding relationship that allows him to bear the fruit through us. And that's what happened those five years. You know, I just couldn't give up, right? we got to continue to pray. Well, and, and the lesson, another lesson that I've
1: learned and you, we've all learned is that you can't, tr- if you're trying to make it happen, it may not happen. That's right. It's got to be God's timing. Yep. You know, we just kind of work in conjunction with Him and, yep. and be willing to accept no if it's if it's not the right season. You know, yep. and but then and you were patient, and yep. then finally the time came, and it was it was awesome.
0: Well, and I still envision. You know, we've had many journey groups now within the Tulsa Police Department, and um, we're continuing to spread the news to other law enforcement agencies. I mean, I'm always connecting with guys, so we know in God's perfect timing. Um, there there are probably journey groups going on with other law enforcement agents. I know there is here in Arkansas, but in other places that we just we're not aware of yet. Mm-hmm. But we know God is doing something with that there. Um, you know, I had a conversation just the other day with a a doctor in Tulsa who volunteers for the SWAT team, and he has a heart for men. Mm-hmm. And he specifically said to me, the reason I volunteered to be part of the doctor on call with the SWAT is because of my passion and love for those men in law enforcement. And I just I'm just being a a vessel and available to share the love of Christ with these men. Right. Same thing with our military. Same thing with, you know, every vocation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I see God moving in that. Oh, yeah. We just have to be faithful to trust his timing.
1: Well, you know, this is going to be part one of a part two of a two part interview, you know, because there's a lot that we need you to to share about. But uh, as we close this one out, talk about how you got called to go full time with influencers.
0: So, you know, I had landed the perfect job after a 12 plus year career. Um, It was just really a God thing. Uh, I ended up in the air support unit well on my way to being a helicopter pilot and really uh, five years from retirement. Um, And every year, uh, our family goes up to Wyoming to Jackson Hole to visit family. And I just knew in in my heart that God had something else for me that I wasn't going to be the 35, 40 year law enforcement career guy. And I went on an eight mile hike from 6,000 feet to 10,000 feet or 11,000 feet climb and 8.2 mile hike one morning. And I told Julie that this was for me to hear what the Lord wanted for me next. I just knew he had something for me. Um, Pretty entrepreneur for all the guys that know me. And, you know, ministry wasn't in Frank's agenda or game plan, I can assure you. It was, let's go make some more money, right? Let's go have some more uh, financial freedom and so forth. Um, But little did I know, God had a different plan. And, you know, Brian, all through that trip up that mountain, um, the plan was for me to make it to the top by noon. And then Julie and the kids were going to ride the tram. And if you make it to the top, it's a sightseeing up there. They give you a pass to come down on the tram for free. Uh, And I'll never forget, you know, it was an amazing time. I journaled and I worshipped all the way up and had an amazing lunch. Uh, No bears ate me, obviously, because my (laughs) wife was afraid of that. But Julie asked me to call every hour on the hour until I would have no reception on my phone. Well, at about 10,000 feet, obviously no reception on my phone. It's pretty tired. Um, I got to a place where I ran into a search and rescue guy that said, hey, the trail's closed. You need to turn around and go back down. (laughs) Well, being a policeman, uh, I wasn't turning around. I was going to make it to the top. So I had a conversation with that man on the mountain and basically told him, you know, I'm here all the way from Oklahoma. I'm on the mission from God. I'm making it to the top because my wife and kids are going to meet me up there. So he kind of smiled and said, well, follow the, you know, the detour orange markers and go a little slower and you'll be fine. So I went a little, another 20 minutes or so and got to a spot where it was pretty high, 10,500 feet. And I remember saying, sitting there on a rock and almost mad and saying, God, what is it that you have for me? Because he hadn't spoken. And, you know, um, hard-headed, going, Lord, I need to hear from you. I need an audible voice right now. You tell me right now. Nothing. And uh, it makes me choke up just thinking about that story. But my phone rang and I had one of those Razor flip phones. And I opened that phone thinking, there's no way my phone can't ring up here. There's no cell phone tower. And it was Rocky calling me. And I thought, of course, I tried to answer and there was nothing there. So I closed the phone. I made it to the top and I sat there and started journaling. Um, and Julie and the kids walked out of the tram. And I'll never forget my wife walking up to me with just a glow in her face and a smile on their face. And the Lord used her that day to speak what he needed to speak to me. And Julie clearly said to me, so the Lord told you what you're going to do next. What is it? And I was just like, well, what do you mean? He didn't say anything to me. Well, the only thing I had was that stupid phone call that I knew was not possible. And I remember heading her heard the phone and saying, can you tell me if my phone rang at 1132? I'll never forget the time. And she opened that Razor phone and looked at it and said, um, Rocky didn't call you. God called you. You know, Frank, God has entrusted you with little and he's ready to entrust you with much more. Go be about your father's business. And Brian, I had no idea what that really meant other than, um, you know, I knew he was he was preparing me to be a fisher of men. Um, and that was not on my agenda by any stretch of imagination. Um, but I knew, one, that that was God speaking because... He used my bride to speak that to me. And we all know if your bride's not on the same page with you, you might as well call it Mm quits. And number two, there was such a peace. I mean, not for a second that I panic and went, holy smokes, how are we going to do this? Right. Because influencers wasn't hiring. We're not a ministry that goes out and hires. We don't have big budgets. We don't build. I mean, we're so radically different. We're truly grassroots and organic. That's right. God is calling out just like he called you out missionaries mm-hmm. to the mission field. Mm-hmm. And we got to step out and be all in. There is no guarantees. There is no even go raise your support. You just step out. Mm-hmm. And that's literally what he asked me to do. And as you know, I felt like for a long time, I was the guinea pig for what we see happening today of what is God doing? Because Rocket didn't know. None of us knew.
1: Yeah. We didn't really have the regional format figured out. Absolutely not. You know, you were, you got to be one of the first ones. Right. Yeah. And God
0: figured that out for us, mm-hmm. right, a That's year right. or so later. That's right. Um, so um, that was pretty crystal clear that it was the Lord calling. You know, and there was no hesitation. Here I am six years later. You know, if I look back, um, it's been a roller coaster ride, but it has been an amazing ride. Why? Um, sure, I loved serving my country as a policeman and serving my city and my state um, <laughs> as a policeman, as a peacemaker. Um But, you know, um, I still get to share the love of Christ with men. And God was just preparing me. Mm -hmm. That's all it was. So I had an amazing 15-year career. Um, And, you know, um, I don't boastly say this, but, you know, God gave me the wisdom and discernment and courage to walk away from a retirement check that was literally within arm's reach. Mm -hmm. Literally walk away from it all. Um, And, you know, we haven't missed a meal. Mm -hmm. God is our provider. I mean, I'm... We you know, we're literally getting to see the word of God come to life because of our obedience. Well, because of what the journey is all about, which is what total self abandonment and absolute trust. That's right. I mean, I can honestly say I've seen the fruit of what that looks like. Mm. And it's it's good. Yeah.
1: Well, thank you, Frank. Uh, in In part two of our interview, we're going to find out a little bit more about what's been going on in Tulsa and with you personally and everything. So, uh, but uh, what a great start! So, uh, thank you for sharing your story with us. Um, so, this is the Influencers Network Podcast. Uh, if you're listening out there and want to find out more about how to go on this journey with us and. Uh, uh, this journey to find uh, find your path and your purpose uh, go to our website influencers.org and i do want to uh, bring up the fact that we are doing a year end appeal for influencers called the generosity challenge. And, uh, I definitely want to bring that up because, uh, we're just asking you to be generous and supporting influencers. This ministry, it, you know, only if you pray about it and God tells you to, but also if God has touched you and helped you, would you, uh, would you donate back to this ministry so we can go help others? And, uh, if you live in the Tulsa area or Oklahoma area, any donation you make to the global office, 50% of that's going to go back to support Frank and his ministry in Tulsa. So, uh, so be generous guys. And, uh, and help this ministry and and help support what Frank's doing in Tulsa. So anyway, this is the Influencers Network podcast. I'm Brian Craig, encouraging you to keep abiding in Christ and go make disciples. God bless you.